0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado.
1: In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Sometime before St. John's exile to the island of Patmos under the Emperor Domitian, he he was residing in Ephesus, one of the major uh, Roman ports in Asia Minor, or in the Roman province of Asia. He was doing the good work of of preaching and teaching that which he had seen with his eyes, that which he had heard from his ears, and that which he had touched from his Lord Jesus. It turns out that one day he needed to have a bath. (laughs) He started heading out to the public bathhouse, and and Saint Irenaeus tells us that as he arrived, he saw within a certain man named Corinthus, who had gotten there before him. And St. John stopped in his tracks. Now, if, you don't, if you've never heard of Corinthus, I don't blame you. He wasn't all that popular of a figure, and probably for good reason. Uh, and he was also, in particular, St. John's thorn in the flesh. He had been attacking the saints at Ephesus with an eclectic barrage of Gnosticism, Millennialism, and Ebonitism. He denied that Jesus is God. He claimed that God was so separate from the stuff of this world that he could not even engage in the act of creation. He gave that job of making the heaven and the earth to the angels, apparently. And he taught that salvation was only possible through strict obedience to the commands of the law. So St. John looked within the bathhouse... And he said to his companions, because apparently when you went to take a bath back then, you took your friends with you. <laughs> he said, let us fly, lest even the bathhouse fall down, because Corinthus, the enemy of the truth, is within. St. John, the apostle, was so infuriated by this man's attack upon the gospel that he set about writing his own gospel to, to tear down all of Corinthus' lies so that you would have no doubt That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in His name, you may have life. Today we give thanks for St. John's faithful preaching of Christ. We give thanks that that he preached to us that the Word is not so separate from creation that he had to give charge to the angels to make heaven and earth, but in fact, the Word was with God and they created all things that the Word of God was pleased to become flesh and blood, just like you. And that is the wonder of Christmas. We also learned from St. John in the Gospel lesson this morning uh, that Jesus would have us to reflect upon the mysteries of you know, the Incarnation, the two natures of Christ and the Holy Trinity, but also, and very practically speaking, uh, uh, to, to, to uh, pay attention to our calling in life, where God has put us, and how we are to act as Christians to one another. And so this morning we learned that Christians are one in Christ, but we are very distinct according to vocation. And so, yes, the first of importance, of course, St. John gives you the gospel, that your place in heaven is certain through the blood and merit of Jesus. But now, listen to this little bit of instruction that he gives at the end of the gospel. Uh, mind you, he just told... St. Peter, how he was going to die. He told St. Peter that he was going to be martyred, just as as he himself was crucified. Now, the sinful flesh never likes the thought of dying, especially if that means dying in agony, as Christ himself died. So St. Peter catches a glimpse of John, who happened to hear this exchange between Jesus and Peter, and he says, Lord, what about this man? Does he have to go through the same sort of excruciating death that I must go through? Peter and John were brothers in the faith. They were Christians who had been saved by their Lord Jesus. And they also shared the same vocation of apostles the appointed eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection who were to be sent into the ends of the earth to preach the good news. But that didn't mean that their lives were going to be the same. According to the Lord's will, Peter ended up in Rome, where he confessed the truth unto his death. He paid the price with his very life when he was crucified upside down in the year 64. 64. On the other hand, the Lord willed that St. John would outlive all of his brothers in the holy ministry. And he lived in Ephesus, and he finally died of old age, around the year 100. Now, no doubt, in the eyes of the world, people would look at St. Peter and say, this man must surely be cursed to have died in such a horrible and gruesome way. And then they would look at St. John and say, well, look how long he lived and how the Lord blessed him with years. Surely, St. John is more blessed than St. Peter. But that totally misses the point. Because when St. Peter asks of Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What if he does outlive me? What if, he, what if it's not for him to, to, like me, be crucified? The Lord says, quite bluntly, what is that to you? He's saying, what is it your, how is this even your business if I plan for St. John to survive until I come again in glory? What concerns you is what I told you, not what I have in store for him. And so Jesus told Peter again, follow me. Now, I'm more than confident that after the day of, of Pentecost, that Peter was very, very pleased and honored with the path that the Lord had set before him. And when finally in Rome, when the cross was offered to St. Peter as his shame, he embraced it as his glory. And in fact, he insisted upon being crucified in a manner different from his Lord so that everyone would know that salvation comes only through the cross of Christ and not his own cross. In the same way, St. John's joy must have been complete, knowing in his old age how his inspired words had gone out to the ends of the world so that nations and generations of sinners unknown would have fellowship with the saints that had been cleansed by Jesus' blood. They found finally their contentedness in their apostolic vocations, not by comparing works, right? Not by comparing works, but by Trusting in the works of Christ. You see, the the Scriptures don't compare the saints like ESPN compares Tom Brady to Peyton Manning. Instead, we're taught to give thanks for all of the works of the saints that are done in faith. Because Peter's death and John's long life both accomplished the same thing. They gave glory to God. They showed that His will is done on earth, just as it is done in heaven, and that his name is hallowed. Now, it's really easy for us to judge one another. Uh, we're used to always looking at somebody that we meet for the first time and eyeballing them up and down and, say, and thinking to yourself, you know, I could beat this guy up. Or, you know, you, you measure up each other during Christmas time when families get back together and you're gathered around for your Christmas meal or your opening presents, and you're talking about, uh, you're catching up on each other's lives, and you're trying to sort of, well, you know, sometimes it turns into outdoing one another with who's busiest with work or who had the most success this past year with their business. Our flesh just loves to do this kind of stuff. We like comparing our respective vocations to figure out who got the better deal. Now, the kids on the playground love to do this without shame, right? And saying, well, my dad makes more money than yours. (laughs) But it doesn't mean that adults have stopped doing so. In fact, adults have just figured out how to do it with a wink and a smile. But to whatever vocation God has given his blessing, we as Christians dare not say one thing against it. There's plenty of man-made vocations out there, and they're usually the ones who get the most, you know, praise, especially if they have a lot of prestige and make a lot of money. So, for instance, if you tell someone that, hey, I have a sister and she is a mother and she has you know, four or five beautiful little children, people aren't going to listen to you. They're going to think to themselves, well, what does that mean, to be a mom? Where's the glory in that? What if you say, hey, my brother plays in the NFL? Suddenly their ears perk up. But none of that matters. The man-made vocations, the things that we think were the glory and the prestige ought to reside. What matters is the station that God has placed you into. How do you figure out where God has placed you? What is your God given vocation? Martin Luther has a great way to think about it. He says in the section of the small catechism on confession and absolution, uh, when you're considering which sins you should confess, he says to ask this question What is my station in life according to the Ten Commandments? Am I a husband? A wife? A father? A mother? A son? Daughter? worker, ruler, and so on. These are, the, these are the vocations where God's Word actually gives some positive instruction concerning. He, he uh, explains that I have instituted these offices in the world and I bless them with my promises. And, of course, Martin Luther expands upon that as well in the small catechism when you read about the table of duties. He talks about what God has to say Uh, to children, what God has to say to workers, what God has to say to rulers, what God has to say to pastors, and so on. Now, before we we think about those vocations, though, that you have to come to the realization that all of you have the same vocation as the person next to you in this room, Uh, and the greatest vocation of all, which is to be called Christian. It is that God has called you to faith so that you could call upon His name, so that you could hold God's Word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. This is the calling that was given to you in your baptism, when you were called to live and also to die with Jesus, so that you might have resurrection with Him. It is the calling that opens your ears to hear His voice, and so that you would receive it with joy, because He gives you righteousness in life. And in this vocation, we're all the same. And so, St. Paul especially says in Romans chapter 10, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. And again in Galatians chapter 3, There is neither Jew nor Greek, nor is there slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's easy for us to think, therefore, that if we're all the same with respect to the gospel, uh, then perhaps we're all, same, we're all the same with respect to our other vocations in life. And perhaps even these vocations might be interchangeable because we all bear the one, uh, the one vocation of, of Christian. But then that's not what the Scriptures teach. The Scriptures teach that even though all of us are Christians, we, no one has received more forgiveness than the other person. No one has received more righteousness than the other person. Nevertheless, we do have different places in this life. So, for instance, uh, uh, thanks be to God, uh, uh, I fit the requirements that Jesus has laid out to being a uh, pastor in St. Paul's pastoral epistles, but that doesn't mean that I can go and chase after the vocation of mother. Biologically speaking, it's just not going to (laughs) happen. God hasn't called me to that. Nor should you uh, uh, think less of the God-given vocations in which you have found yourself. Or should you chase after the vocations that you think that would suit you better? So if you're a husband, uh, it's the temptation is always to despise your vocation of being a husband by thinking back probably to your time as being a bachelor and thinking to yourself, man, I used to have a lot more time back then to you know play games, hang out with friends, and so on and so forth. But then, you know, God has a way of waking you up out of that little bachelor dream. Like, for instance, my wife and kids are down in Colorado Springs right now. had to sleep alone at home last night, and I thought to myself, oh, I have all this time, it'll be fun, but it was actually very, very sad. (laughs) (laughs) And in this way, God reminded me that my vocation as as husband and father are actually more blessed than having a lot of free time. (laughs) Uh, So if you're a son or a daughter, and and you don't want to spend the time to speak to your mom or dad, especially if you're into those teenage years because you know way more than they know, Uh, that doesn't mean that by ignoring them that you can also ignore the fact that you uh, came into this world through them, that God used them, and that God also tells you to honor and to respect them as he does in the fourth commandment. Uh, Take, for instance, also the recent gender confusion in this country, right? It's really chasing after vocations, Uh, and stations in life that have not been given to you. If God has made you a man, thanks be to God. If God has made you a woman, also, thanks be to God. It is not up to you to chase after something that's not yours. Now, even among persons who have the same vocation, uh, it's easy to compare our respective status as, let's say, mother, father, husband, and wife, uh, according to your works. Uh, To look at the wife and, and mother who has... I don't know, uh, who has more children, who's been blessed by the Lord by more children, and think to yourself, well, she must be obviously loved by God more than me because I have fewer children, or something like that. Uh, Or if I am a a father and a provider for my family that I think that God is somehow thinking less about my office and position as father than the guy down the street who has enough to to afford all the Christmas presents for his kids this time of year. But remember now the example of, of, of Peter and John. When we're tempted to look at the other person to say, Lord, what about this guy? Why doesn't he go down the same road that I must go down? The Lord says, what is that to you? You follow me. It's good that he says that to us, that he says to to follow him, because Jesus leads us not on the path to glory, any sort of glory that the world can look at and say, this is a good thing, but it is the glory of his cross that he tells us to follow him into. He tells us to bear our vocations and our callings and stations in this life with suffering. And so that if, if you're a mom and and, and uh, huh, you struggle with taking care of your kids at home, and you think to yourself, I should think of my children as a blessing as the Scriptures teach me, why are, they, why are they so hard to take care of? The Lord says that it is still pleasing to Him that you are taking care of them. That He sees your works that are done in faith and He blesses them. When our works are done in faith, that is, when our works are done trusting not in the merit that our works generate in and of themselves, but always, always, in what Jesus has merited for us through his life and death, then God truly gives us his blessing. He knows how much you hurt and and you struggle in your vocations, but he's pleased that it's that way because he wants you to know that his power, among his saints, is made perfect in weakness. The reason why Peter and John found contentedness in their differences wasn't in the fact that they gloried in their works. It's because they gloried in what God is doing through them. It doesn't matter how the world looks at these works. What matters is what God says about your works. And so learn to see your life from the perspective of the Ten Commandments. See where God blesses the things of this life. Parents and children, workers and princes, uh, as Christians. Study the Scriptures to see what they say about your station in life, and then take comfort in these promises from God Himself, so that even if you are least in the eyes of the world, you know that you are great in God's eyes. When it's hard to be a parent, hear about the promises concerning parenthood and take comfort. When it's hard to be a kid, to hear your parents all the time, then take comfort in the fact that Jesus says that of these little ones, uh, they are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And finally, when you struggle to trust in God's promises concerning your vocation, remember your first vocation. God has called you to receive His mercy through His Son, Jesus. He has baptized you into this mercy. And God never goes back on his word. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.